Ashadu an la ilaha illallah Ashadu anna muhammadun rasulullah Ashadu anna muhammadun Alhamdulillah Nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'khfiruhu Muna'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina wa sayyiati a'amalina Min yahdihillahu falamudillalah Wa min yudlil falahadiyalah Wa ashadu an la ilaha illallahu wahtahu la sharika lah Wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluh Ya ayuhal ladhina amanu taqullaha haqqa tuqatih ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجال كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار أما بعد Brothers and sisters in Islam, every now and then, an extraordinary individual enters into this world with a persona so profound and a character so rare 
in the most arduous and challenging of circumstances, such a rarity of being almost always leaves a distinguished and phenomenal impact on the lives of the people that are around them, as well as the succeeding generations that there are not enough volumes to capture the many lessons contained in their narrative and their legacy. There are times, however, when we can draw parallels between the lives of these extraordinary individuals and the most beautiful forms of creation in order to grasp the depths of their essence and beauty. Such methods are oftentimes employed in the Quran in the forms of parables by which we are allowed to make connections between the beauty of the object being identified and the character that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to highlight. For us to analyze in more detail, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about the Sahaba in the Quran. He said, Muhammadun Rasulullah, Walladina ma'ahu wa shidda'u ala al-khuffari ruhama ubaynahum, tarahum ruka'an sujjadayya bitaguna fadlan min Allahi wa ridwana, سيماهم في وجوههم من أثر السجود ذلك مثلهم في التوراة ومثلهم في الإنجيل كزرع أخرج شطأه فآزره فاستغلظ فاستوى على سوقه يعجب الزراع ليغيظ بهم الكفار الله سبحانه وتعالى said that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah and those that are with him are harsh and stern with those who disbelieve and they are merciful and compassionate with one another you will see them prostrating, bowing seeking the bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his pleasure you can see the traces of their religiosity and the prostration marks that are on their faces this is the example of the Sahaba in the Torah and their example in the Injil is like the example in the Injil is in, in the Injil is like a sown seed which sends forth its shoot and then makes it strong and then it becomes strong that it stands on its own stem delighting those who sow it and bringing hatefulness or bringing uh, enraging those who disbelieve this is the example of the Sahaba in the Torah and in the Injil Roses, brothers and sisters, have long since you been used by many cultures as a symbol of greatness and a symbol of beauty. The rose is an ancient symbol of beauty in its elegance and its grateful, graceful appearance and is used by many cultures to symbolize beauty and elegance. Roses, brothers and sisters, evoke a wide range of sentiments, the like of which no other flower can deliver. The most interesting thing about a rose is that with all its fr fragility and its beauty, it can grow in just about any place, in any climate, and under rather extraordinary circumstances, attracting the beauty of everyone who sees it far and near. Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab mentioned in his seerah of the Prophet ﷺ, في سنة الخامسة أمر النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أصحابه بالهجرة إلى الحبشة لما اشتد عليهم عذاب يعني من قريش والأذى وقال إن فيها رجلا لا يظلم الناس عنده فالحق ببلاده حتى يجعل الله لكم فرجا ومخرجا مما أنتم فيه In the fifth year from the time that the Prophet ﷺ received the revelation اقرأ بسم ربك الذي خلق Read in the name of your Lord 
five years after receiving that revelation, the Prophet ﷺ commanded his companions to make the first hijrah, the first migration from Mecca to Abyssinia, what we know today as Ethiopia. And this was after the torture and the persecution of Quraysh become, became intolerable for the believers in Mecca. The Prophet ﷺ said to the believers, that in Habasha, in Ethiopia, there is a man, a king, who will not allow anyone to be oppressed in his presence. Go to his land, go to his country, until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes for you a way out of the persecution that you are experiencing. The Prophet ﷺ was aware of the connection between these two, between him and who we know today as Najashi was aware of the, the commonality that was between them even though they shared, they didn't share the same religion. Ethio, uh, as the king of Ethiopia, he was a Christian and the Prophet ﷺ, the leader of the Muslims. And although they didn't share the same faith, they shared the same universal language and that was the sanctity of life. We don't have to share the same religion or the same faith to share the same common understanding of the sanctity of life. That life is sacred. Life is sacred regardless of your religious description or affiliation or orientation. And the Prophet ﷺ in Najashi understood that even though they did not share the same religion. That this hijra, this first migration, it consisted of 12 men and 4 women. 12 men and 4 women. وَكَانَ أَوَّلُ مَنْ هَاجَرَ إِلَيْهَا عُثْمَانِ بْنُ عَفَانِ وَمَعَهُ زَوْجَتُهُ رُقَيَّةِ بِنْتُ مُحَمَّدِ And from amongst these 12 men and 4 women was Uthman ibn Affan and his wife, the daughter of the Prophet ﷺ, Ruqayyah. And from amongst them, Az-Zubayr ibn Awam and Abdurrahman ibn Awf wa Abdullah ibn Mas'ud wa Ja'far ibn Abi Talib wa Zawjatuhu Asma bintu Umais. The second woman to travel with this group was a woman by the name of Asma bint Umais. Also from amongst these uh, 12 men and 4 women was Abu Salama wa imra'atuhu Um Salama. Was a man by the name of Abu Salama and a woman Um Salama who the Prophet ﷺ later on in his life married. وَكَانَ خُرُوجُهُمْ فِي رَجَبٍ فَأَقَامُوا بِحَبَشَ شَعْبَانٍ وَرَمَضَانٍ ثُمَّ رَجَعُوا إِلَى مَكَّةٍ فِي الشَّوَالِ لَمَّا بَلَغَهُمْ أَنَّ قُرَيْشًا صَافُوا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ وَكَفُوا عَنْهُ And they stayed in the land of Habasha, in the land of Ethiopia, the month of Rajab, the month of Sha'ban, and the month of Ramadan, and they returned back to Mecca in the month of Shawwal, which is the month that we are in right now, coming to a closure. And we pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has afforded all of us the opportunity to fast the six days of Shawwal. As the Prophet sallallahu said, that whoever completes Ramadan and then follows it up with six days from the month of Shawwal, is as if he fasted the whole year. He will have the reward as if he fasted or she fasted for the entire year. They returned back to Mecca in the month of Shawwal after they thought that Quraysh had come to an agreement with the believers and had refrained from harming them and persecuting them. There was another man who traveled with this group of 12 men and 4 women along with his wife. And this was a man by the name of Ubaidullah ibn Jahash, the brother of Zainab ibn Jahash, 
who the Prophet ﷺ also later on married. And his wife, who also made the hijrah along with him, which made the fourth of these four women. The fourth of these four women. And never could she have imagined the outcome of this journey. Sometimes we set off on a journey not really realizing the extent of this journey and how it is going to impact our lives and the lives of the people that are under us. Never could she have imagined that this trip would change her life forever. We always embark on situations or sometimes there are situations that we are confronted with in our lives for which we can never adequately prepare. We can never prepare for these journeys or these situations that we find ourselves in. But as long as you have the quality of taqwa, this is the best provision that you need on any journey. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَتَزَوَّدُوا فَإِنَّ خَيْرَ زَادِ taqwa," And take your provision along every journey. And the best provision that you can take on any journey is taqwa. Fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some of us don't know the unseen. What is on the other side? or what is at the end of this tunnel. But as long as you fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah will make a way out for you, will create for you a favorable situation that you never have to worry about. We don't always have to see the end of the tunnel, but all you need to do is see what is right in front of you, and that is the fear of Allah, and let Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala take care of the end of the tunnel. We seize the opportunity, we seize the moment, believing that we are doing the right thing for the right reasons. Because some of us do the right thing for the wrong reasons or do the wrong thing for the right reasons. Do the right thing for the right reasons. And Allah, let Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, arrange for you a favorable outcome in the end. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will suffice you with the, the strength and the tenacity and the resilience that you need to make it through the ordeal and allow it to propel you to a place that you yourself could never have prepared for. The woman who I am referring to, who was the fourth of these women who traveled along with the 12, women, or 12 men to Ethiopia, was a new convert to Islam. A woman who came from one of the most elite and prestigious families in the city of Mecca. Her father was one of the most prominent chiefs of Quraysh, an arch enemy to Islam and to the Muslims who made it his civic duty to make life for the Muslims in the city of Mecca intolerable. She had just given birth to her daughter before embarking upon this journey, this life-changing journey. And the woman that I am referring to is none other than Ramla bint Abi Sufyan, better known to the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as Umm Habiba. This long journey to the road of hardship and tribulation had finally led to an oasis of serenity. But little did she know that this newfound freedom and sense of peace would be shattered by a harsh reality the day after she arrived at Ethiopia. The score, the score of her spiritual endurance was to be put to the test the very next day after she arrived. And this is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises us Alif Lam Mim Ahasiban Naso A Yutraku A Yakulu Amen Nawahumla Yuftarun. Do people think that they can say that they believe and they are not going to be tested? Do people think that they can simply say, I believe in Allah? Iman fi qalbi. Iman is in my heart. I believe in Allah and all of the other jargon that we find it so convenient to spew. Do you think that you can say that and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not going to test you to what comes out of your mouth? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran, 
and we will test what people say about you and we will test what, what you say about yourself. Which is why when people praise you, you shouldn't be so quick to accept the praise. You should ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make you better than what the person thinks of you and not to hold you accountable for what people say about you. Allahumma la tuakhidni bima yakuluna wa khfirli ma la ya'lamun wa ja'alni khayran mimma yadhunun Oh Allah, do not hold me accountable for what other people say about me. And forgive me for what people don't know about me. Because people only praise us because they only see one side of us. As Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala he said, Law aliman nas dhunubi. If people knew my sins, ma wati'a aqbi ithnan wa la hathaytumu turab ala ra'si. He said, if people knew my sins, really knew the sins that I committed, two people wouldn't walk behind me and you would throw dirt in my face out of disgust. So really people praise us because they don't really know the whole story. They got bits and pieces of the narrative. And while we readily accept the praise, you fail to understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to test you with the things that you say about yourself and what other people say about you. So don't be so quick to accept the praises of people. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, do you think that you can say you believe and you are not going to be tested? This woman did not know that although as a new convert, the woman just gave birth to her child that when she arrived at the shores of Ethiopia from the very next day her faith was going to be tested sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we convert to Islam and Allah tests us immediately sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us some time in the religion of Islam before he tests us and with each and individual each and every test for each and every one of us Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has handcrafted your very own fitna Allah's not going to test me with what he's going to test you with. Allah's not going to test him with what he's going to test him with. Allah's not going to test her with what, she's going to what he's going to test you with. Every person from amongst us, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has handcrafted your very own fitna for you. And that fitna was either going to propel you to a higher phase, a higher state of your faith, or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to expose the real you. It's going to expose the real you. And that is the nature of fitna. The nature of fitna is to expose who you really are because you don't really know who you are until you've been tested. Right now, many of us are walking theories. You a theory at best. I'm this, I'm that, I'm Salafi, I'm on the haq, you're not on the haq, I'm on this and I'm on that. You a theory until you've been tested. And for some of us, our theory hasn't been tested, which is why we have the luxury to say with such, you know, such callousness, such convenience, I'm this, I'm that, I'm on this, you ain't on that, I don't take from him, I don't go here. MashaAllah, tabarakallah, until you've been tested. And now you don't take from nobody. You take from shaitan. Now you don't go nowhere. You're a theory at best until you've been tested. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will continue to test you over and over. The test doesn't just come and then subside. The test continue to come as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, The test will continue to come to the believer in his self, in his wealth, in his children until you are walking on the earth sinless. 
Because with each and every test, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is removing from us sin. So she didn't know that the very day, the very next day after she arrived at Ethiopia, it was, her life was going to be very different after that. Um Habiba, she narrates herself, she said, رَأَيْتُ فِي الْمَنَامِ فقالت أم حبيبة والله ما خير لك وما أخبرته بالرؤية التي رأيت له فلم يحفل بها وأكب على الخمر حتى مات الله مستعان أم حبيبة said that the day that we arrived at Abyssinia she said I saw my husband in a dream and his figure was disformed and a disformed figure in my dream she said I woke up and I was scared. She said, and I said to myself, He has changed. Something about him has changed. She said, and lo and behold, when my husband woke up, he said to me, he said that indeed, I looked into the religion of Islam. And I looked into the religion of Christianity. And I don't see another religion out there better than the religion of Christianity. He said, I used to be a Christian and then I entered into the religion of Muhammad. He said, and now I have returned back to the religion of Christianity. SubhanAllah. This was a man who took shahada at the hands of Abu Bakr, who shared space with the Prophet And along with that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested him don't ever consider yourself righteous because of the people that you surround yourself with. For indeed the hypocrites were surrounded by the Prophet wasallam, and yet they never entered into Islam. Here's a man who took shahada at the hands of Abu Bakr Took his shahada at the hands of Abu Bakr and apostated from Islam. What guarantee do you and I have? What guarantees do you and I have? As some of the salaf, the scholars of the past, he said, Mal iman illa That iman, faith is just like a shirt. Today we wear it and tomorrow you can take it off. It's that simple. The Prophet ﷺ used to supplicate, Allahumma ya muqallib al-qulub, thabbit qalbi ala deenik, sarrith qalbi ila ta'atik. Oh Allah, change of the hearts. Make my heart firm on your religion. Oh Allah, change of the hearts. Change my heart to obedience to you. The Sahaba said to the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, ka'annaka takhafu alayna. It's as if you, as you fear something for us. The Prophet ﷺ said, كَيْفَ لَا وَقُلُوبِ بِنِ آدَمْ بَيْنُ أُسْبُعِينَ مِنْ أَصَابْرِ الرَّحْمَانِ يُقَلِّبُهَا كَيْفَ يَشَاءَ Why should I not be in fear for you when the hearts of the children of Adam are in between the two fingers of Ar-Rahman? He changes the hearts however he wills. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. What guarantees do you and I have that tomorrow we're not going to wake up and feel the same exact way? Many of us have been married to people and have heard the same exact conversation. This is not working out for me. I tried to practice Islam. I tried to be Muslim. It's not really working out for me.
I've been doing some comparative study of religion. Some of us have heard this exact same conversation. And Um Habiba turned to her husband and she said, Wallahi, ma khayra lak. She said, Wallahi, I swear by Allah, there's no good in you. Nothing good is going to come out of this situation for you. She said, and I informed him about the dream that I had with him in it, disfigured and to no avail. He began to drink excessively and then he died days later. Can you imagine a woman who just gave birth to a child? new convert to Islam, converts to Islam, migrates with her husband to the land of Christians, and the moment, the day after they get there, he decides to apostate from Islam, and then days later, dies on kufr. Allahu Akbar. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that whoever from amongst you apostates from his religion turns back from his religion and then he dies as a disbeliever for these type of people their deeds have been rendered null and void in dunya and in akhirah and these people are from the companions of the hellfire to dwell therein forever. Understand something, brothers and sisters, that the only difference between us and someone who is a disbeliever is the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The only difference between us and someone who is astray is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the controller of the hearts. Forever be grateful for the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made you Muslim has given you basira, has given you insight and foresight as it relates to your religious practices and your belief system. The scholars, they explain a ridda, apostasy. A ridda, hiya ruju' an al-Islam. To apostate is to turn away from Islam imma bil-i'tiqad, by belief, our qawl, or statement, our amal, or action. Understand that. You can apostate from Islam due to a belief that you hold, due to a statement that comes out of your mouth, or due to an action that you have done. And the opposite of apostasy is faith. So understand that apostating from the religion of Islam could happen through belief, could happen through statement, could happen through action. Obviously something that many of us don't care about today. Many Muslims don't care about today. We get on the internet and we are now putting our own intellect into the narrative of Islam. I feel like this. I feel like that. I see this. Debating with opinions of scholars. What this sheikh said this. or this sheikh said that. قال ابن القيم رحم الله تعالى العلم قال الله وقال رسوله وقال الصحابة ليس بالتمويه 
that knowledge as Allah said, his messenger said, the Sahaba said, that's it. Knowledge is not you raising the opinion of someone, some scholar, ignorantly, with the opinion of the Prophet That's not knowledge. A scholar said, a scholar's opinion, that's not knowledge. That's, that's not what we use to establish the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Deen is Allah said, his messenger said, the sahaba said. That's deen. The scholar said only confirms that. Scholar said only reinforces that. Scholar said is not deen. Understand that. But apostasy happens for a number of reasons. There's a number of reasons why people leave Islam. Some people leave Islam because they entered into Islam being, loved with, being in love with the idea of having some structure in their lives, but not accepting Islam as a lifestyle. It's a religion. These are the type of people who they can pray, not pray five times a day, and still say that I'm Muslim. You haven't prayed in months, but you're still a Muslim. And the only reason why you have the luxury to say that is because Islam is not your life. Islam is just your religion. You're in love with the idea of the structure of Islam, but you haven't fully entered into the fold of Islam like Allah commanded you to. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu dkhunu fi silmi kaafam wa la tattamiru khutuwati shaytan innahu lakum adun mubeen Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, all you who believe, enter into Islam all the way, wholeheartedly. Now, I'm, I'm Muslim when I'm in the masjid, and I'm doing me when I'm not in the masjid. I'm Muslim in the masjid and on social media, I'm doing me. Be Muslim on social media. Be Muslim in your neighborhood. Be Muslim in your house. Be Muslim in your friend's house. Be Muslim in your circles. Not just in the masjid. Because then in that case we resemble hypocrites who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran. وَإِذَا لَقُوا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا قَالُوا آمَنَّا وَإِذَا خَلَوْا إِلَى شَيَاطِينِهِمْ قَالُوا إِنَّا مَعَكُمْ إِنَّمَا نَحْنُ مُسْتَهْزِئُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, and when they meet the believers they say, Amen, now we believe just like you believe. We, we all believers, we all Muslims. But then when they're alone with their shell team, they say, nah, we really with you. Nah, we really with you. And the man ahdu mustahzi, we were just joking, we were just making mockery of the Muslims. And although we don't say that verbally, our actions, our actions is right along those lines. So some people enter, enter into Islam in love with the idea of having some structure in their life, but haven't really fully accepted Islam as a lifestyle. Some people enter into Islam in love with someone who is Muslim. People sitting on the musalla right now in Islam, Muslim, only because you followed somebody else into Islam. You allowed your love, your infatuation with this person to pull you into something that you are not prepared for. And the moment that person is no longer a factor in your life, Islam is no longer a factor in your life. Just takes a while to get it out your system. Sitting on the musallah right now 
because somebody because you chasing somebody else and as the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said man kanat hijratuhu ila dunya yusibuha aw imra'atin yankihuha fa hijratuhu ila mahajira ilay that whoever makes migration whether from migration from the land of the muslims from the land of the kuffar to the land of the muslims make migration from kufr to islam from disbelief to islam from kufr to sh from shirk to iman Whatever your migration is, if you did it for some portion of this dunya or you did it to take some woman's hand in marriage or some man's hand in marriage, then your migration is what you migrated for. Your migration is what you migrated for. Some of us teeter on kufr and, dis uh, and, and Islam. We're teetering. We're Muslim, but we got one foot over here. Not realizing that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in control of the hearts, what guarantees you that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to allow you to keep playing both sides of the fence? What guarantees that you have that Allah is going to continue to allow you to play both sides of the fence? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in the Quran, in Surah An-Nisa, ثُمَّ كَفَرُوا ثُمَّ ازْدَادُوا كُفْرًا لَمْ يَكُنِ اللَّهُ لِيَغْفِرَ لَهُمْ وَلَا لِيَهْدِيَهُمْ سَبِيلًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said indeed those who believe and then disbelieve and then believe and then disbelieve and then they increase in their disbelief Allah will not or Allah will never guide them Allah will never forgive them nor will he guide them to the right path don't teeter on kufr don't be Muslim at this moment and then be disbelieving at another moment. There are a number of factors, as I mentioned, that contributes to a, person, of a person's apostasy. And the main reason is people enter into Islam for the wrong reasons. Some people take the shahada believing that they need structure in their lives. Some people accept Islam looking for a new and exciting you know, lifestyle or some you know, new exciting component to add to their lives. Some of them in love with other individuals are infatuated. Whatever the case may be, we should work diligently to make sure that we secure our spot in Islam, to secure our spot in this religion. And there are those of us who would desire Islam, embrace Islam, desiring nothing but the pleasure of God. Nothing but the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as Allah says in the Quran وَإِذَا سَمِعُوا مَا أُنزِلَ إِلَى الرَّسُولِ تَرَى أَعْيُنَهُمْ تَرَى أَعْيُنَهُمْ تَفِيدُ مِنَ الدَّمْعِ مِمَّا عَرَفُوا مِنَ الْحَقِّ يَقُولُونَ رَبَّنَا آمَنَّا فَاكْتُبْنَا مَعَ الشَّاهِدِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, and when they hear what has been revealed to the messenger, you will see their eyes well up with tears because of the truth that they recognize in the message. And they say, oh, our Lord, we believe and write us amongst those who have witnessed, who have bore witness. This ayat was revealed to Najashi when he took his shahada. The same Christian king who welcomed the Muslims into his land who would not allow them to be oppressed or persecuted under his authority. The same individual embraced Islam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this verse about him. Because when they believe, they take the time to cultivate and nurture their hearts with true faith. 
If you recall the conversation between Abu Sufyan and Hiraqul, the emperor of the Byzantine Empire, he asked Abu Sufyan, he said, وَسَأَلْتُكَ هَلْ يَرْتَدَّ أَحْدٌ مِّنْهُمْ عَنْ دِينِهِ بَعْدَ أَنْ دَخَلَ فِي سَخْتَةٍ لَهُ فَقَالَ أَبُو سُفْيَانٍ لَا فَقَالَ حِرَقُلْ زَعَمْتَ أَنْ لَا وَكَذَارِكَ الْإِيمَانِ إِذَا خَالَتَ بَشَاتَةِ الْقُلُوبِ He said, I asked you about the Muslims, that does any of them apostate from their religion when they enter into it, out of hatred or dislike for the religion? And Hiraqul, who was a disbeliever, uh, Abu Sufyan, who was a disbeliever at the time, he said, no. And Hiraqul, he said, that is exactly what happens when true faith comes in contact with the heart. You don't budge, you don't move off of that place. The Prophet said, if they put the moon in my right hand, the sun in my right hand, the moon in my left hand, I will never abandon my call until I achieve my goal or I die in the process. There's a commitment to Islam, not to the masjid, not to the imam, not to individuals. To Islam, which is why Abu Bakr he got up after the Prophet died. He said, That whoever was in this, worshipping Muhammad, Muhammad is dead. Meaning your mission is over. Whoever was in this, to worship Muhammad, Muhammad is dead. And ever since then, we have been attaching ourselves to other Muhammads. And if our detachment from Muhammad at the time of his death, our loyalty still remains to the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not to his personality, then what do you think about any other Muhammad that comes after him? You're not going to be asked in your grave about no other Muhammad other than Muhammad ibn Abdullah. So we say, oh, Imam Muhammad, Elijah Muhammad, the honorable this, this person, that, and our attachments is not to the movement, to the individual. The only individual that we are attached to, to some degree, is Muhammad ibn Abdullah the only Muhammad you're going to be asked about in your grave. The angel comes to you in your grave, tells you to sit up and ask you, Man Rabbuk, who is your Lord? مَا دِينُكُ What is your religion? وَمَا تَقُولُ فِي هَذَا الرَّجَلَ الَّذِي أُرْسِلَ إِلَيْكَ And what do you say about this man, Muhammad, that was sent to you? It's only Muhammad you're going to be asked about. And even him, Abu Bakr said, whoever used to worship Muhammad, Muhammad is dead. So what do you think about any other Muhammad other than him? So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested Um Habiba with this. And she remained a single mother, separated, alienated from her family, alienated from her home for the next some odd years until something remarkable happened in her life which we'll discuss in the second half of the khutbah bi idhnillah barakallahu li wa lakum fil qur'an al-azim wa nafa'ani wa iyyakum bima ja'a fihi min al-ayati wa dhikri al-hakim aqulu ma tasma'un astaghfirullaha li wa lakum wa lisa'ili al-mu'minin min kulli dham fastaghfiruhu innahu huwa al-ghafuru rahim الحمد لله العلي الجبار غافر الذنب وقابل التوب الشديد الإقاب وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله سوم حبيبة رضي الله عنها she remained as a single mother alienated in a foreign land totally relying on Allah سبحانه وتعالى 
And as we said that the best provision that you can take with you along your journey is taqwa, fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that whoever fears Allah, he will make a way out for him or her any difficulty. Whoever fears Allah, he will make a way out for you of every difficulty. Every difficulty. And he will provide for you in ways that you could have never imagined. Not just tangible provision. Faith, endurance, resilience. Sabr. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Ma uridiya abdun aqa'in khayran wa awsa' min al-sabr." That no servant has been given a gift that is greater and more comprehensive than the gift of patience. Whoever puts their trust in Allah, for who has then Allah is sufficient for you. You don't need anybody else. Whoever fears Allah, Allah will make a way out for you of every difficulty. Provide for you in ways in which you could have never imagined. Whoever puts his trust in Allah, for who hasbu, Allah is enough for you. As Allah says in the Quran, أَلَيْسَ اللَّهُ بِكَافٍ Is not Allah enough for his servant? Is not Allah enough for you? Or you need her in your life? Or you need him in your life? Your life is nothing without him in it. Your life is nothing without her in it. Your life is nothing without Allah in it. Your life is nothing without Allah in it. As the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in Ahadith al-Qudsi, مَنْ وَجَدْتِنِي وَجَدْتَ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ وَمَنْ فَاتَنِي فَاتَهُ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ وَمَنْ فُتُّهُ فَاتَهُ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ That whoever finds me has found everything and whoever loses me has lost everything. Some of us cry and plead with our spouses not to leave us. Because we believe that our lives wouldn't amount to anything without them in it. You might be bordering shirk. You might be bordering idolatry. To raise another human being to that level of importance in your life, you may be teetering on another type of idolatry. It's because codependency is the new shirk. Codependency, relying on this human being, is just a modern day version of shirk. Modern day manifestation of idolatry, no different than prostrating to an idol. Believing that this idol can remove some grief or some pain from your life. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made a way out for her. As every one of us is going to be confronted with that very moment when our conviction about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to be put to the test. Every single individual in this room is going to encounter a moment or moments in your life when your conviction about Allah and about yourself and about your religion is going to be tested. 
Your conviction about the Prophet ﷺ is going to be tested. You're going to be confronted with a situation that is sunnah, a situation that is bid'ah. And your love of the Prophet ﷺ or lack thereof will be the determining factor of which route you choose. And it is that moment that we must put our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in hopes that he will allow us to see the wisdom in his decision or at very least grant us the endurance to handle or to be patient with the situation. This situation provided the proper fertilization that the heart of Um Habiba needed to sprout just like a rose. A rose needs the right type of fertilization, the right type of soil in order for it to sprout. And trials and tribulations, it fertilizes our hearts to allow our iman to grow just like the rose when put in fertile soil is going to grow and sprout. So just like a rose when it blooms and it attracts the attention of every onlooker and observer, this rose, Um Habiba, she attracted the attention of the Prophet وسلم, as her own father, Abu Sufyan, who was a disbeliever. He said that, لا يقرأ أنفه أي الرجل الصالح الذي لا يرد أبو سفيان her father when he found out that the Prophet ﷺ was interested in his daughter he said ذاك الفحل he said he is the stallion whose nose should never be rubbed or pushed away meaning he's a righteous man and when a man like him asks for your daughter you don't deny and he was a disbeliever and he couldn't deny the Prophet ﷺ he was a disbeliever who made it his duty to torture and persecute and make life for Muslims in Mecca a living hell. And along with that, when the Prophet when he found out the Prophet wanted his daughter, he said, that this is the stallion, meaning this is the alpha male of his community, and that when he asks about a woman's hand in marriage, he should never be rejected. Sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, brothers and sisters, remove someone from your life in order to make room for others and most importantly himself subhanahu wa ta'ala so the death of um habiba's husband only made room for her to spend more time with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and eventually prepare herself for greater things which was the proposal of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam um habiba she said ففزعته فأولتها أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم سيتزوجني. She said I had another dream, and in this dream I heard someone come to me and say, يا أم المؤمنين, O mother of the believers, a title, a status that was only given to the wives of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم in their community. And I heard someone in a dream call me Um al-Mu'mideen, mother of the believers. So she said, I woke up in a frantic state. And she said, and I interpreted that as the Prophet ﷺ was soon going to marry me. SubhanAllah Years later, 15 years later to be exact. This happened in the fifth year after revelation. The Prophet ﷺ didn't propose to her until the seventh year after hijrah 15 years later can you imagine sitting with a dream that you had for 15 years not making a move until allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decide see we say we put our trust in allah and i'm gonna let allah handle my affairs and i'm gonna let allah decide but we end up making the decision and this is why the scholars say, That whoever is hasty to make something happen before it's time is not going to happen. 
will be punished by it not happening at all. Hastiness is from shaitan. Hastiness. Al-ajala min shaitan Hastiness is from shaitan. And to be deliberate and to be patient with your decisions is a sign from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَلَمَّا كَانَ شَهْرَ الرَّبِيَ الْأَوَّلِ سَنَةَ السَّبْعَ مِنَ الْحِجْرِ مِنَ الْحِجْرَةِ كَتَبَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ كِتَابٍ إِلَى النَّجَاشِ يَدْعُوهُ إِلَى الْإِسْلَامِ وَأَنْ يُزَوِّجَهُ أُمَّ حَبِيبَ بِنْتَ أَبِي سُفْيَانِ وَبَعَثَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ عَمْرَ بِنْ أُمَيَّةَ الضَّمَرِ إِلَيْهِ وَسَاقَ مَعَهُ أَرْبَعَةَ دِينَارٍ So in the seventh year after they migrated to Medina the Prophet ﷺ sent a letter to Najashi calling him to Islam and asking him permission to marry Um Habiba. Fifteen years later, this is a rose that was in Ethiopia and attracted the attention of someone all the way in Medina. A thousand and fifty-five miles to be exact. How can a woman be so beautiful that you attract the attention of someone over a thousand miles away? And some of us put up all the makeup in the world and the tightest overgarments in the world and we still don't see you. We still don't see you. You put on the tightest overgarments. You wear the loudest makeup and we still don't see you. Here's a woman over a thousand miles away in Ethiopia and attracted a man in Medina. Not because of the overgarments she wore, not because of the makeup popping, not because of the Instagram pics with your hijab pulled back so people can see your baby hair. Nah, real talk, that's corny. Either take it off or keep it on. Seeing your baby hair and then when you take the whole hijab off, you got on weave, that's not attractive. It's deception. It's actually a major sin that you're being cursed for. All to gain the attention of who? Who is worth being cursed for? Please tell me. Who is worth being cursed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for? Who is worth that? The Prophet said, any woman who attaches hair to her hair is cursed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who is worth that? The Prophet said, The woman herself, her whole body is aura. Her whole body is a private part that should be covered. Her whole body covered all the time. Allah specifies in Surah Tunur, Surah number 24, the men that you can expose yourself to. Go back and read the Surah. Followers of Quran and Sunnah. Go back and read the Surah. And look at the men that Allah identifies in the ayah who you can uncover in front of. And I'm sure you will not find Instagram trolls on that list. I'm sure you're not going to find cousins and people you went to high school with and friends from your neighborhood on that list. Oh, followers of Quran and Sunnah. Don't have selective sunnah syndrome. You pick and you choose from the sunnah what you're going to follow. Islam is a package deal. Take it all or leave it all. Allah don't want partial obedience. 
Allah doesn't want a, a portion of your time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants it all. So the Prophet sallallahu sent a letter to Najashi calling him to Islam. And I'm only saying this, brothers, especially the sisters, I'm only saying this out of love. Wallah if I didn't care, I wouldn't say anything about it. Some people that you are cool with see your pictures on Instagram, see what you're doing to your life as a Muslim, and will sit there and say nothing. These are not your friends. Because if you really want good for somebody, you would advise them. If you really want good for somebody, you'll pray for them. If you really want good for somebody, you will be with them in that moment with them. Not sympathize with them, sympathize for them, but empathize with them. Difference between sympathy and empathy. Sympathy is to sit back and say, oh, I feel sorry for you. Empathy to say, I'm in this with you. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is you're struggling through, I'm here for you. That's empathy. Sympathy is to sit from a, pl a place of privilege and say, oh, you know, I'm sorry you're going through this. Sorry for your loss. Empathy is sorry for our loss. And Allah, the Prophet sallallahu sent a letter with Amr ibn Umayyah ad damani And he sent along with him 400 dirhams, which is equivalent to 1,725 rials, which is equivalent to $466. That was the dowry of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi This was the dowry of the Prophet sallallahu roughly $500 in our time today. 400 dinars that he sent with the man. This is a lesson for us as men. If you really want to marry the woman, then send her a dowry to show that you're not playing. Stop stringing a woman along, talking about we're going to get married. We're going to get married. Inshallah, making all these plans. If you haven't paid the dowry, and you haven't talked to the father, and you haven't made a contract, you're not getting married. That's not going to happen. We're playing around with these women's lives at a time when they don't have the time to play around. In their 20s is when they're most fertile. In their 20s is when most women want to have their babies. And these are the times that most of us as men, we are wasting away their lives in their 20s. So they get to their 30s and they're disgruntled, bitter, hurt, broken from all of the games that we played with their lives. Stop wasting these women's lives, brothers and sisters. There's a ton of people out there who want to fornicate, commit adultery, and play around. Stop lying to the women, telling them we want to get married, and creating this whole picture, this image, this vision of you and her riding off into the sunset happily ever after, which is never going to happen. There's tons of women out there who want to play games. Stop playing games with the women who are really looking for a serious relationship, looking for a serious marriage. Because those are the ones that get hurt, and those are the ones who become bitter and broken. Call it Um Habiba. Let me just show you what a proposal does to a woman during that time. A proposal from a man like the Prophet ﷺ, what it did for the woman at that time. He wasn't playing. He sent a letter saying he wanted to marry her, and he sent the dowry along with it. From Medina all the way to Ethiopia. He wasn't playing. This wasn't a joke. I want to marry you in an honorable way. I'm going to send somebody, a delegate, I'm going to send a delegate with my letter, my proposal, and I'm sending the dowry with it. Please accept that. 
This is a person that's not playing. But then you look at our situations. We commit in fornication, premarital relations, and then we talk about, uh, you know, this ain't really working out for us. We done did too much haram. We done went too far. We should go our separate ways. Negro, please, you knew you had that on the agenda from the very beginning. Ain't talking about, oh, we done went too far with this situation. We need to just go our separate ways. After you just took the most important part of my life. MashaAllah, tabarakallah. I hope Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is as merciful to you as you are to some of our women. I hope yom al-qiyamah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala extends to you the same mercy that you extended to the women in our communities. The same people who the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, la tukassir al-qawarir, don't break the fragile vessels. These women are fragile. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, mar'a min dil'in, the woman was created from the rib. When the hebta tuqimuha kisartaha, the woman was created from a rib. And if you go and try to straighten the rib, you're going to break it. And to break us to divorce her. So Um Habiba, she said, فوكلته وعطيت أبرها سواريين سواريين سوارين من فضة كانت علي وخواتيم من فضة في كل أسباع الرجل سرورا بما بشرتني أم حبيبة said that I didn't realize what was going on until a messenger of Najashi came to my door knocking on my door and I opened the door, it was a young girl, young maid servant, woman by the name of Abraham. And she asked permission to enter and I gave her permission. And she said to me that King Najashi says that you should find a wali to, to marry you. Even under those conditions, the woman still has to have a wali. Even under those conditions, Muslim minorities living in a land of disbelieving people, still you need a wali. All this, I'm grown, I don't need a chaperone, I don't need nobody to look over my affairs. How did that work out for you? Time after time after time after time again, how does that situation work out for you? I'm grown, I don't need, you can't circumvent the protocol of Islam. What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obligated upon us as believers, we have to follow that. Or else we forfeit any barakah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you command your children to do something, you want them to do it as specific as the command that you gave them. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَلِلَّهِ الْمَثَلُ الْأَعْلَى And to, to him belongs the highest similitude. When he gives us a command or instruction, he wants us to carry it out exactly the way that he gave it. Not circumventing, not going around. That's what Bani Israel did. And look what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did to them. Turned them into apes. He told them, don't fish on the Sabbath. On Saturday, their special day, what did they do? They put the net in the water on Friday, came back to collect on Sunday and said, we didn't fish on the Sabbath. Then what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do? Because of them half obeying Allah, Allah turned them into half human, half ape. Al-jaza'u min jins al-amal. Your reward is depending on the degree of your deeds. You was half obedient to Allah, so Allah made you a half human. Apes and pigs. 
understand, we can't circumvent what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obligated. So Umm Habiba said that she told me that وَكِّلِي مَنْ يُزَوِّتُكَ Find somebody that will oversee your affair to marry you. Because the Prophet Wasallam, Prophet Muhammad sent a letter from Medina requesting your hand in marriage. Can you imagine? Here this woman is single for 15 years with her child. After experiencing that ordeal and because of her patience, because of the beauty of her character, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestowed upon her a blessing. A blessing that she could have never imagined. She said, find someone to marry you because Muhammad sent a letter from Medina requesting your hand in marriage. She said, so I requested uh, a man by the name of Khalid ibn Sa'id, or Khalid ibn Sa'id ibn al-As, who was her cousin, that was there in that environment with them and the closest blood relative to her that was a Muslim and she made him her wakil or her wali to marry her to the Prophet sallallahu and Um Habiba said, I was, so si I, was so I was so ecstatic, I was so excited, I was so happy that I began to take off the rings, my bracelet, my bangles, and even the rings on my toes. Showing you the Sahabiyat, they used to adorn themselves with gold and bangles and things like this. This is something that Islam does not prohibit. Obviously, it should not be to the point where it draws attention to yourself because then that would be counterproductive to the hijab. The hijab is to cover your beauty, not to draw attention to your beauty. Understand, some of your overgarments are counterproductive to hijab. Not even hijab. Doesn't even fall into the category of hijab. Counterproductive to the concept of hijab, which is to cover your beauty, not draw attention to your beauty. But some of us are so desperate so starving for attention, which is the, you know, another form of shirk. We want attention so bad that we will be willing to sell our soul, sell our religion for it. MashaAllah to barakallah. I get it. I understand. Dad wasn't there. You wasn't raised with your dad. The man in your life that should have shown you the most attention. I get it. Women teach you how to be a woman and your father validates your womanhood. But if there wasn't a father in the home, then you're constantly chasing, spending your whole life chasing for the right man to validate your womanhood. I get it. Not at the expense of your soul. Not at the expense of your religion with Allah, your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so the Prophet sallallahu married her. And eventually she came to Medina and she asked the Prophet sallallahu to marry her sister. This was a woman humbled by her circumstances. Some of our daughters, mashallah, tabarakallah, raised right, but raised in a manner where they've never had to experience struggle. So they go into this relationship with this Disney, Disney movie mentality that everything is supposed to be peachy creamy and everything is supposed to be perfect because my parents were perfect and they had the perfect relationship. That's your parents' narrative. Stop living vicariously through your parents. Your narrative is something totally different. And Allah is going to make sure that we get the lessons that we need to become the people that we are supposed to become. Whether your parents were good people and married for 20, 30, 40 years or not. That's their narrative, not yours. And she asked the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, Zawwaj inkih ukhti binta Abi Sufyan. She said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, marry my sister too. The Prophet ﷺ looked at Um Habib and said, I want to being a thatic. You would like me to marry your sister? Because that's abnormal. No, women are usually territorial. You want me to marry your sister? And listen to what she said to the Prophet. ﷺ. She said, Naam, wa lastu bi mukhaliya. 
لست ببخلية وأحب من شاركني في خير أختي فقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إن ذلك لا يحل لي she said yes I would want you to marry my sister she said I don't have you to myself anyway I mean I don't own you you're not mine's I got to share you with my co-wives. I got to share you with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I got to share you with the community. I got to share you with yourself. I don't own you. I don't have you all to myself anyway. And I would love none other to share in the good that I found in you, none other than my sister. This is the epitome of loving for your sister what you love for yourself. Some of us, we take our men, we got ours, and we're making off. Nobody else is going to have that. And we'll fight tooth and nail to make sure, sabotage every single situation of polygyny the man tries to go into to make sure that I'm going to have this situation all to myself, only to your own self-sabotage, only to your own self-destruction. You got to live with you. Nobody else got it. And the anguish and the malice that you are harboring, harboring in your heart because of that, you got to live with that. Nobody else. As the scholars say, and the hasad that envy, yudurru al-hasid, it will harm the person that is envious more before it ever even touches the person that he is envious of. Everybody, nobody else even knows that you're angry. You got to live with you. You got to deal with that. And so, brothers and sisters, as we conclude, Um Habiba, this rose, we can learn a lot of lessons from a rose. She spent she lived um, or she died in the year 44 after Hijrah. وماتت أم حبيبة سنة أربعين وأربعين قبل أخيها معاوية بسنة. She died before her brother Muawiyah. Muawiyah eventually became the Khalifa of the Muslims after the death of Ali ibn Abi Talib, her brother. And she died the 44th year after Hijrah. And Muawiyah died the very next year. Oh, she died the year before he did. And she lived 34 years after the Prophet Sallallahu Check this out. She lived 34 years after the death of the Prophet Sallallahu Single. Again. Because the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu were not allowed to remarry after him because they're going to be his wives in Jannah. And any woman who was married to a man and he dies, that will be your husband in Jannah. So as long as you do not remarry. As the Prophet said, Al-mar'atu fil jannah ma'akhira zawjiha fil dunya. That a woman will be in paradise with the last husband she had in this dunya. So whoever was your last husband, if you really want to be with him in Jannah, he dies, you're only 30, you're only 35. If you want that man to be your husband in Jannah, then don't remarry. But how many of us could actually be patient like that? How many of us, our love extends beyond ourselves to that degree? She waited 30, she waited 15 years to be married to him. And even after the 15 years of being married, uh, at waiting for him, she was only with him for three years. He died in the 10th year or going into the 11th year after Hijrah. She was only with him for three years, waited for him for 15. She only was with him for three and then had to wait another 34 years before she died and they will be united in Jannah ta'ala. This is your sister in faith. These are the women that you should emulate. These are the women that you should imitate. These are the women that you should aspire to be like. These are the women, brothers and sisters, that we should aspire to be married to, to be the mothers of our children. When we go into marriage, we should look at the person that we are marrying as the future parent to our children. That will help you narrow down your selection. But when you look at the person, you say, she's cute, he's cute, I want to be married to the person. You're only thinking about you. The Prophet ﷺ said, Choose wisely. 
where you place your seeds. Choose wisely. And we just having babies with people because it's the sunnah. Nah, it's not. We're having babies with people because it's the sunnah. It's a selection process. We're having babies with people who are going to stick around and help raise them babies. We're having babies with people who are going to raise those children to become contributors to our community. Not just having babies for the sake of having babies with somebody because he's cute. And inshallah, my baby going to come out cute. My baby going to come out with curly hair. My baby going to come out light skin. My baby going to come out looking like this. So I want to have a baby with this person. Subhanallah, man. So shallow. We're having children with people because this person is going to stick around, help me raise these children, and raise them to be contributors to our community. Contributors to the spiritual and moral fabric of our communities. And if that's not the reason that you're having children, stop having babies, man. Stop having babies with random people. We marry in person, and then we're having intimacy and not even protecting ourselves. Don't even know if the relationship is going to last. Two, three months into the marriage, you're pregnant. And six months later, a year later, you're divorced. Come on, man. Destroying our communities with this mentality. Islam teaches us to be smarter than that. Islam teaches us to take precaution. Take your precaution. And we pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives us for our shortcomings. رَبَّنَا آتِنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسَنَةً وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ حَسَنَةً وَقِنَا عَذَابِ النَّارِ اللهم أصلح لنا ديننا الذي هو عصمة أمرنا وأصلح لنا دنيانا التي فيها معادنا وأصلح لنا آخرتنا التي فيها معادنا وجعل الحياة زيادة لنا في كل خير وجعل الموت الراحة لنا من كل شر برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم صل وسلم وزد وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين وآخر دعوانا عن الحمد لله رب العالمين Before we conclude brothers and sisters there is Islamic education classes going on here at the Sister Claire Muhammad School Philadelphia Masjid Registration orientation starts this Sunday um, next Sunday this Sunday, July 16th, from 10 a.m. to Salatul Dhuhr. Sign up after Jumu'ah today, inshallah ta'ala. Sign up for the classes if you're a new shahada, new convert, old convert, but you need to increase in your knowledge of Islam. Sign up. Get yourself registered, inshallah ta'ala. Also, in addition to that, I have a, a course, a 10-week course, how to get married and divorce in 10 weeks. Everything that you ever needed to know about marriage, khula, divorce, marital contracts, the selection process, premarital, postmarital, anything that you needed to know, please register for this course. You can register for this course, be ta'ala. The course will begin on August 5th. 2017, right here at the Sister Claire Muhammad School, Philadelphia Masjid, from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m., inshallah ta'ala. This course will run for 10 weeks, and at the end of that course, you will be a certified marriage educator. You will be certified marriage ed educator. We will learn how to do, dissect, and analyze case studies, real case studies of real people who have marital problems, marital issues, don't know if I'm married correctly, don't know if I'm divorced. All of these will be studied in hands-on training. And we're trying to empower, inspire, and educate brothers and sisters. We, as you can see, there's not a lot of imams that are even qualified to even deal with these matters. So the only other option is not, is, you know, either we're going to, you know, create situations where we're creating imams, and I don't really see that happening. Brothers don't usually come out to lectures. Brothers don't, you know, can't really teach them anything. They got it all figured out until they made a mess of their lives. So the only other thing that we could do is empower you and educate you so that you can be self-sufficient to some degree.
to some degree. Many problems end up happening because you're a woman, you're vulnerable, you call a particular imam's office and he sees that the vulnerability and then all of a sudden he wants to be your wali, he wants to represent you and then all of a sudden he wants to marry you. We're trying to avoid those type of situations by empowering yourself, educating yourself, and we pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues to facilitate sound Islamic knowledge into our communities. At some point, this is probably going to stop. Seize the moment. Take the advantage of the opportunity while we have it. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyya Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa salamat tasliman kathira wa akhiru da'wana an alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa aqimu as-sara. الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله هيا لسنا هيا لفنا كنا كام تزنا كنا كام تزنا الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله